Hello listeners and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akin Obitan and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, we pick apart, peer-reviewed and published social science papers for their best bits so that you, the listener, don't have to sift through 45 pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Wow. <laughs> I mean, if they want to sift through it, it's there for them. We're not saying that you can't go get the article. We're just saying it took us several hours to digest this one. Oh, this one? So this one, before we give our shout-outs and do the intro, so this one was about, what was it? I think it was like about 26 pages. It's from pages 787 to 818. Yeah, because I'm taking off all the references. So after I read it, I think two or three times, I then had nine pages of notes and I then had to distill those nine pages of notes to the bits that I was especially, like, I guess the orange, like the pulp. My pulp was six pages. I've got six exactly. pages of pulp in front of me. I really enjoy this it. This is rich. This is a rich it, study. Um, juice? Yeah. Because I feel like what comes out of an orange is juice. I don't want the pulp, do you I? You don't want the pulp? I love the pulp. Okay. Oh, you like the little bit. Yeah, I love the bits. Yeah, I get my okay. orange juice with bits. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're already on a tangent. <laughs> Please, Dan. Okay. Let's, uh, let's introduce the title and the, uh, and the wonderful contributors slash creators of it. Well, what I really, really enjoyed about this study is it deals with a concept called humble leadership. The title is called Modeling How to Grow. And this is an inductive examination of humble leader behaviors, contingencies, and outcomes. It's by Bradley Owens and David Heckman. And again, it was published in the Academy of Management Journal. And what I love about this article is it's taken this idea of humble leadership, which is kind of in the business press a lot these days. I'll say a little bit more about why. But what it's doing is starting to really unpack that and say, do we even know what that is? Which is fascinating for there to be such a, a big trend. And then when you actually just stop for a second to look at the trend, it's a bit like, wait, what exactly is trending here? And part of why this research paper is so relevant, because what it's saying is that when it comes to humble leadership, there's too many definitions out there. So many people are perceiving it and understanding it in different ways. And also you have a disparity between what people say or believe it is, and what's actually happening in workplaces and between leaders and followers. And they get some amazing, it's a qualitative study as well. So this this paper is rich with fascinating quotes and examples. And it, it, it just, it the whole thing just kind of like blows up. Yep. I mean, what I really enjoy about this particular study is they started by going into the banking industry during the collapse in 2007. And they talked to a load of leaders at all the different levels of this organization. And their goal was to not only try to figure out what is this concept, but how does it affect an organization's success? And are there times when it actually doesn't work that great? And I have found that to be really useful. It's almost like we use these words like, you know, humble leadership or another one that gets kicked around a lot is authenticity. And we all use it and it's in the press. But then when you start asking, you learn it means really different things to really different people. And what's nice about an article like this is they allow for that differences. 
They ask real people in their own words to describe what this might mean and what they've seen it in the real world. But then they do the very hard work of taking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of real life testimony and boiling that down into themes. Yeah. So they were able to create like umbrella themes. And when they were getting these anecdotes from individuals. So, yeah, you mentioned the the banking industry. They also looked at the military. Uh, they looked at retail. And clergy. Uh, yeah, they went, yeah, they went to churches mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so they, they had like a broad kind of sample of different industries uh, to then say, what is what is humble leadership within? Because uh, before I start talking myself in circles, it can mean a very different thing depending on the organization that you work in. But as a, as a, I guess as a, as a general kind of guide in terms of what we're talking about here, there's a nice little definition which they put in, which it says, there is some consensus that humility generally involves how leaders tend to view themselves more objectively, others more appreciatively, and new informational ideas more openly. And it seems that those three things there form a nice foundation for how you can measure yourself up and say, how do I measure up against these factors? But also, if you're maybe looking up the ladder, you can be a bit like, well, the person who I report to, how do they measure up in these kind of like settings as well. And and what does it mean? What does it mean for the culture of the workplace? What does it mean for performance of employees? Also, what does it mean for the bottom line? That's right. And I think that one of the things that's really important, at least for me to say, is the taste for this humility seems to come from a world where leaders can't be supreme and overconfident because it changes so much. A lot of times in the past, when you thought of what a leader did, it's that they had the answer and that they told everybody what to do and that they were right. And now, unfortunately, the world seems to be changing so fast and disruption is so common that a lot of times they're kind of the last people to know. It's, it's I can just, especially if we just look at technology alone, like to be a leader and the way that technology moves like, I feel like there there seems to be this, like, mini war between the millennials and the baby boomers. But, like, <laughs> the reality of it is we, we need each other. Like, we need each other in order to have a, a collective uh, purpose that we can move forward That's with. It. That's it. And if you think about what leadership is, it's to try to create a vision, that collective purpose, that thing that we're going to go do, the hill we're going to take, and then to get collective action toward that, meaning... All together, we need to bring the best we have to solve that problem. That's what leaders are supposed to do. And I think that what's changed is that the taste for the chest-beating alpha, often male, confident and even arrogant leader who is a great person that tells everybody exactly what to do, that that isn't working anymore. And that this other approach, which you mentioned through your definition, of being way more objective that I'm just a person like everybody else, that... If we contribute something to the world, it wasn't me that did it. It was you people that did it. And this idea that in getting there, we're not going to get it perfectly, that I am fallible and you're fallible. Humans make mistakes, but we all have to acknowledge that that's going to be a safe thing to do as we get better and better and better. And I feel like servant leadership doesn't mean servile and humble leadership doesn't mean you're humiliated. You actually can be very strong and confident, 
but still follow those three tick boxes that you mentioned. Totally. And they reference uh, humility as a, a meta virtue. And the idea of it being a meta virtue is that there's other virtues that are birthed from someone who is humble. And one of those is someone being able to be strong of character, to be courageous, uh, to be forgiving, to, to, to realize that they are not perfect. And when you embody that, it allows other people to embody it themselves as well. And I'm going to do my, anytime we have a, a study that involves anything to do with work, I always have to have a bit of a rant. I've just, I've worked for way too many companies to not have a rant. And this one just kind of like, it just hit me in the chest because I have worked for some bosses who I can't even call them leaders. Like I cannot call them leaders. I can possibly stretch it and say that they were managers, but they were just bosses. They were people that I had to report to. And I think that what they don't realize is that when you're... When you're in charge of people, especially for a significant portion of their day, a lot of their development, a lot of how they see themselves is influenced by your leadership skills. So if you are, if you are arrogant, if you think you know it all, if you are unmerciful, you put an individual. I've had so many times where I've been in work situations with managers and they've explained something to me and then they've asked me if I've understood or not. And for a lot of the time, I would just say, I understand. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go mess up in like a different mm -hmm. room because the idea of getting it wrong and a separate occasion was more comfortable than telling my boss, could you repeat that? That's right. And mm -hmm. there are, there are managers like who are, or, or bosses who are, they're projecting that where you're not getting the best out of people because people don't feel like they can be their best because in order to be your best, you need to be in a position where you're comfortable with failure and with learning and with developing. If you're, if in order to develop, it suggests that at point B, I'm better than I was at point A. So if at point A, you want me to be the best that I can be, there's no room for growth there. Yeah. I think that that is so important. And that's why this notion of dealing with change and trying to learn how to bring your best seems to align with this notion of being humble. And by the way, in as we start digging into these quotes and start really looking at why this is an effective approach, it's important to point out that nobody's saying that error and failures are great. Nobody's saying we should do more and more failures and errors. What it's saying is that it's human and that it will happen. And if a leader is delusional and says, I am always perfect and you should be too, what you're really saying is hide the errors. Yes. You're saying don't act as though we're human. Act as though we all have it perfectly. And if I don't know the answer, lie. Oh, there's okay, there's so much I want to say already. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to throw back to you before I kind of like jump in because there's points which I'm sure are going to be raised just off of what you were saying there. Oh, but yeah, you've uh, which, which bit were you going to jump oh, us into there? Oh, uh, any of them at all, but the, yeah. uh, my, okay. my mind, the three, I just was going to bring up for the, the listeners here. There seem to be these three um, humble behaviors and they may sound a little counterintuitive when you think about what a great leader is. I think, totally. yeah. So like, here it is admitting mistakes and limitations, this idea that like, you would verbalize that I just don't know. Yep. That is something that a lot of leaders strictly avoid. Totally. The second one is this idea about spotlighting the follower's strengths. Like the idea that saying like, listen, as a leader, I don't really do anything. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I don't create value. I just kind of help you folks do the real work. 
that means that when you get it right, I celebrate you, not me. I think that for a lot of leaders, that's like, hmm? That's not what I was taught in my MBA school. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I don't care how much you paid for your MBA. I don't care where you got that pretty certificate from as well. If you're managing a team of people and they group together over a period of time to get stuff done and they bring results and you now go to your superiors and say, look what I did, you're pretty scummy. That's like... <laughs> You're pretty scum. I'm I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna rock with the delusional part, but I'm sticking explicitly with scummy, and I'm sticking with scummy because I have colleagues who have quit jobs because of these sort of issues. Where you roll up your sleeves, you learn new skills, you put like you proudly deliver work, and not only is it not acknowledged, but someone else takes credit for it. That's disgusting. Is. Is I've it, had yeah. people who've just packed their stuff up and they're like, yeah. I'll take my, I'll take myself elsewhere. Yeah, it's immoral. I don't need to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's disgusting. And I've had people who've had it happen in meetings. So the same, when you're in a meeting with someone who could make your career, like you've developed yourself, you've gone out of like in your personal time, you've upskilled, you've got training, you've exceeded expectations. And now you're in a meeting, your boss is there and your boss's boss is there and your boss is taking credit for what you've done, I've just got to give a round of applause for all of my homies who even stayed for the duration of that meeting yeah. because yeah. it's foul. I've had yeah. people who've had those situations. I've had lunches, coffees, and whatnot I'm with them. I'm sensing you want to name names. I, I'm, I'm being <laughs> real close. chilled right now. I'm so close to like, I'm so close to naming names, but it is, it is foul. Like, yes. and you're, yes. cause you're supposed to be the person who those individuals look up to when you, when you look inside organizations and you have these organizational charts, like it's not just a reference to be like, who's in what office. A lot of people look at an organizational chart and they're looking up and they're saying, I would like to be more like A, B, and C. I'd like to be more like X, Y, and Z. And if you look up and all of those people are repulsive, the only thing that you think is either I move up and I change the system or I get out of here. And there's plenty of companies who are doing a great job That's with right. good leaders who are using we. They're saying we brought in these results. That's it. We managed to do this. That's right. And I think that the third one of, so if the first one is like admitting that I'm not perfect and that I get it wrong, then we all can learn. Number two is what everything I can just said about um, knowing, acknowledging that I, the leader, don't create this. We, or even they, created this. The third one is this um, modeling teachability, and you touched on that one as well. This is this idea that uh, I don't know the answer as a leader, and the people that I work with often have really good answers that if I help them get resources and give them space, they'll learn how to help us. And I think that that idea about considering alternative views and like letting them say the way the task would work best, I think that that third element of it is a really important piece of it. Yeah, and just because um, I'm, I'm getting hot now, just thinking yeah. about all of yeah. the injustice yes. in offices. But I feel like a big part of what why humble leadership is so valuable, you, you end up in a position where you've got a, a leader who their pride is watching you go from someone who couldn't even crawl and then they watched you crawl. Then they watched you walk. Then they watched you run. Then they watched you fly. For them, that's achievement. 
regardless of what their superiors have said in terms of we've got to hit these targets, we've got to be in these uh, districts, we've got to blow up, whatever business lingo is popping right now, what a humble leader is doing is they're looking at the individuals and that's where the reward is for them because they're looking at them and saying, if I was to step back, if I was to step out of this situation, I've now got a team of people who I have helped to, to excel without me. That's right. And that I've made myself unnecessary. Yes. Because I've enabled these people to basically run their own totally. show. Um, that is so important. And I think if, if I had to summarize that one quickly, what happens is when these humble leaders act in those ways, the follower perceptions are they've legitimized my journey. They, they, they being the leader, the humble leader has essentially made it clear that I'm in process, that I, I don't have to hit point A perfect, that they have shown me that it is okay. They have modeled that it is okay to be in process and that nobody's perfect. I think that's a really, really important part. A second part of this sort of what helps the follower about a humble leader is they legitimize this idea of uncertainty that I was bringing up about change and about adapting. And it's this idea that if you can vocalize things like, I don't know, in the senior leadership ranks, it means that it's also okay to be uncertain as the person doing the work and therefore ask and seek help and look for resources rather than this feeling that a, I've got to do it perfect, and B, I've got to say that I know things that I don't know. Yeah, which is dangerous. Very Espe dangerous. Especially depending on what industry that you're in. Like, there's some industries where you can probably get away with blagging it for quite some time. There's others where... Like the podcast industry? Yeah, like the podcast... <laughs> Because they, they looked at the military as well. And the military is a great example because I'm going to make a couple of points. So one of the points I'd love to make and, and the, the points that I'm making come out of this study. So one of them is that if you're a, a humble leadership the, or a humble leader, should I say, the idea is that you're leading from the bottom up. So you're exhibiting a level of humility that says my task and every task below it, not only can I do it, I'm willing to kind of like, I guess this idea of mucking in. Like, so if, 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 up the if someone reports to me with an issue, I'm not going to just tell them, I'm going to work with them so that one, they understand it and become more competitive, competent at it. But two, also it's helping me to understand their role and their challenges better as well. And that's like a fan, that's a fantastic position to find yourself in when you're in a place of work where it's not just a case of I get told what to do, but I actually feel like I'm part of something. And the other idea as well is that humble leadership is not a it's not a silver bullet. So if you've got this situation where you're you've got this bottom up leadership, so you're kind of like you're in the trenches with your crew and you guys, you're you're kind of like rolling out like a mob. You mentioned this idea of change in, in workplaces and in industries. If you lead from the top down, so you have more of this kind of dictator authoritarian thing, when it's time to change, it's very difficult because everyone is a lot more, I guess there's like a tension, there's, there's not as much trust. They, you don't have that like agility because people are like, this change needs to happen. We need to respond or react in a short space of time. But there's no room for error because we've never been taught how to, to make a mistake. So if the leader who leads from top down now decides I'm going to get down with them, 
there's no trust there because everyone just thinks this is suspicious man like why like surely this is like a catch or a trap or and also we're just not used to it we've not flexed those muscles like these uncertainty muscles yeah these muscles of like struggling through the learning of something new we've not done that because we we're blaming people who mess up yeah it creates a lot of threat in the environment and in fact if we think about and by the way um, we have a couple minutes left to get to this it's not like we're saying that this is for every setting ever. And there are some real contingencies in this. Totally. But some of the reported outcomes, like in the situations where the leader acts more humble in those three ways I mentioned, the follower perceives those two um, um, workplace elements that I mentioned. There seem to be these four outcomes that help organizations. And perhaps the most important one is this notion of psychological safety or psychological yeah. freedom. This feeling of like... We know that we're going to learn together and I feel safe trying. Totally. And if I can just jump in as well on the psychological, because they, ref, they reference it as psychological freedom. And I think if you're reading a lot of like modern leadership literature, they refer to it as psychological safety. And the idea also behind that is if a meeting gets called, like, like it, just to shout again, yo, leaders, ma- managers, bosses, don't call people into meetings just to tell them stuff. You can email them. Like you might, it might stroke your ego if all 12 chairs are filled. But if you call me into a meeting and one, I don't feel like I can express an opinion or an idea, you're wasting my time. And it's, it's making me feel a lot more negative. If you're bringing me into the boardroom, one, Create an environment where people feel comfortable to share their ideas and ask their questions. And two, provide some refreshments, man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) preferably liquid. Yeah, man. Possibly alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get some refreshments in the room, man. There's nothing wrong with a a little biscuit or a croissant. It's the chicklist. (laughs) <laughs> that's a refreshment leader right yeah yeah, yeah totally that's totally. the next article yeah, yeah, yeah. tune in tomorrow when <laughs> but like but no but i do joke but in this article they one of the credits that they give to humble leaders they say humble leaders are more likely to actually dip into their own pocket so if you're watching your team work really hard maybe they're putting in overtime or they're exceeding your expectations let's say there's no budget for dot 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 a humble leader might just be a bit like you know what i can spare a five or a tenner I'm going to get these guys a box of chocolates or you know what? Maybe I've got like a spare 50 quid. I'm going to take them all out for lunch one day. And humble leaders are more likely to, because they're, I guess one of the qualities and skills of humble leaders is they're paying attention to you as a person. They're focused on your development and they want to reward that so that you can keep developing. And as you mentioned earlier, Dan, the idea isn't that you get to a point where you're at your best, but it's that you're always in a continual state of developing and growing. There's not an end goal there. It's how do we keep improving? That's right. That's, that's excellent. And I think that that leads to this idea of continuous small change. That's the second kind of outcome that rather than change being like pulling off a Band-Aid where every 15 years we go through something painful together and then it's back to normal. 
this is creates an organizational culture where everybody's growing, changing, getting better, and that that becomes a norm or a culture. So that's something that these humble leaders are more likely to create in an organization. The third one, you've really described it well, not just through your words, but through your tone and your intensity. <laughs> I'm getting riled no, up. I love it. I love it because it's real. What happens is when you have leaders that do these humble acts and have this perspective, the workers want to give more. They're more engaged. Mm. They, the work feels more like real life. Um, they're, they're trying to bring the best they have rather than waiting for you to tell them. Because that's really, if they're, if they're not feeling safe, they're going to cover their ass, essentially. Totally. And so if you want them to bring their very best, they have to be engaged and willing. And then the very last one is this idea about, like, we organize in a more fluid way. You're allowed to, like, work across a silo. Finance is allowed to talk to marketing. R&D is allowed to talk with... Um, marketing. And so this idea of us being a more um, unified organization toward one collective mission, totally. I think that that is the fourth really important outcome that organizations win when humble leaders act these ways. And so, you know, I don't know um, if there are some specific quotes that you want to share. One of the things that I found so compelling in reading this article, and it's just, it's hard to pack it all in, the visceral nature of the quotes are really beautiful. And I, and I think that, um, you know, if we wanted to read one or two of those, we could do it. Um, we also could go in the direction of talking about when the humble leadership and the humility may create problems for leaders. Let's, let's go, because that was another part that I was quite excited about. So I mentioned, I alluded to earlier, humble leadership is not the silver bullet. One of the things that you you have to have as a humble leader is is competence so if you if you just lean too heavily on the side of your humility there's going to be situations where an issue might be time critical or it might put, uh, pose a threat to the team and that's when you need to be a lot more assertive and you probably do need to apply a much more kind of like top down approach but your team are looking to you for that so a humble leader isn't someone who just comes in with like jeans and what a t-shirt. It's like, hey, everybody be free. Everyone do. Yeah, that's not it. They want, they still want to respect you and look up to you and know that you've got our back. But also when things do get tough, you have got a skill set that can lead us through this, this stormy period. That's right. And I think this idea of, and by the way, a second one is this idea of time pressure. You know, if... In the military organization in particular, this comes out, but also if you have to ship product and it has to go out by a certain day and the time pressure is there, sometimes this idea of just saying, like, what do you all think? I, I don't have the answer. I think sometimes this ability to say, I may not have the perfect answer, but I have a way that we can move forward. Does anybody want to contribute to that? And I think that idea of sort of having that basic competence and expertise to say, at the minimum, I have a backdrop or a platform from which we can work. Totally. And I think that people would get a lot um, more frustrated if you just rocked up and said, I just don't really know. I that, don't know what to do. That's hella frustrating. <laughs> like, 
Oh, dear. And, and I guess the other thing as well, so speaking on this idea of like competencies, yeah. so one of the questions might be, well, why aren't people exhibiting more humility in workplaces, especially in leadership positions? And in this study, they highlighted two specific groups of people who I guess are it's it's they're less likely to exhibit humble leadership for a separate set of reasons so one of that was younger people so you might have someone who's quite young they're brilliant at their job they've escalated up the ladder and they might have escalated to a point where they're managing people who in age are more senior to them so they will find it challenging showing humility because it's like it's it's a more threatening situation it's not because to say so- it wouldn't work necessarily it is to say that they probably feel more risk. That yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's a really great point. If you have a thirty-something leader and you have forty-something people that are doing the real work, there may be this sense in which you want to act a bit more dominant and show your power. Yeah. But they might all be laughing at you because most of them can actually do the work and yeah. you can't. Like, this kid can't even grow a moustache, <laughs> man. <Get> the- <laughs> exactly. So that's a really he good one. He has sugar in his coffee. Get the hell out of here, man. We're doing the real work. <laughs> the second one, I guess, Drinking herbal tea. I'm way more uncomfortable with, I think, the second one that you're going to bring up around... Yeah. I'm going to bring it up. I I kind of I love to dwell in a in a, a space of discomfort. Yes. But yeah, the other one was yes. was for females. Yes. It's so and again the uh, the evidence was provided by women. So I, I don't wish to speak on behalf of women. So what I'll do is I'll actually read uh, what was one of the quoted contributions here as to why for female leaders it's not necessarily as easy because they feel a certain pressure to exhibit a degree of strength. So the quote reads, what I've learned is that if you're a female, people expect different things. I think humility is expected more for a female leader than a male leader, but they need to see you as competent too. As a woman, as a woman leader, that's a complex one for me. I've tried to dig deeper in this one. I'm petite and I look younger than I am and I'm female. So I look back at certain events as a leader and I go, gosh, that, that like, did that command and control approach come from me because I thought I needed to prove something? And they go on to say that I've gotten comments from other males like, gosh, I used to think you were cute and sweet. And it's, I can definitely see why you're uncomfortable talking about this one, Dan, because it's, I guess in not just in workplaces, but through having conversations with women, there there can be times where the male attitude towards them is more or less patronizing. That's right. That's right. And I think this double bind of a new leadership style that seems to create these positive benefits being something that is just expected for women means that that very approach might be seen as just normal and not particularly inspiring. Whereas with a man who acts in that same way, it's like, wow, you know, they're really listening to me. Wow. You know, they're really giving me the time of day. Wow. They're really giving me credit. And so it's, again, one of these really, oh, it's so painful in a way. It's embedding the problem of sexism back in because the very thing that's helping men more is helping women less because it's already expected out of them. Yeah. And it's that's this, painful. Yeah. It's this odd, like it's a very odd dynamic and 
it's 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 almost insulting really like and i'm trying to i guess exhibit some empathy here but if i have qualities which are appreciated in the workplace well not even appreciated there's qualities that i bring to a workplace that aren't necessarily fully appreciated then i see another colleague do something mm. similar mm. and everyone's raising them That's you're like it. but i do That's that it. every day like every day i i provide this kind of i don't know leadership style and no one cares yet this dude barry over there has <laughs> has finally decided <laughs> To listen to and apply one person's idea. Was Barry your bad boss? Barry was the most vague name that I can. And also in the in the interest of fairness across genders, I've had horrible bosses who were both male and female. Um, right, sounds like you just had a lot of bad bosses. To I, it might be me, you know, Dan. I think if everywhere I go... <laughs> The only yeah, element is yeah. You. If I'm the common, if I'm the common denominator, it might just, I just might be difficult to manage. Um, okay, oh. what are we, um, what are we saying in terms of the sort of how do we put a nice bow on this? I we, the good news is we've pretty much covered this whole model. the The last thing that I would bring up, which you did hint on, is humble leadership, and this approach might be harder to pull off in a very hierarchical culture. So to the extent that you're working in a 1950s-style organization where the basic underlying assumptions are the leaders are like, we got this, we're perfect, we're great people up here, and then one leader comes in and says, I'm not so sure, no, they might look really weak by comparison. What we've now done with bringing that up there is we've covered the whole model that's come out of these 55 interviews and a consistent set of questions and a whole lot of coding. You know, again, shout out to these researchers for doing all that. Are there a last thought or two that you want to put out there? Yeah, my my last thought is along the lines of there, there's a lot of evidence that suggests, not even suggests, there's a lot of evidence that backs up this idea that humble leadership brings the best out of people if you get the best out of people the organization thrives for it as well however it is not a, a silver bullet the the idea of competence is really valuable so one of the challenges as a leader is you're going to want to get things under your belt that are going to allow you to pull rank when you need it so sometimes that might be if you've got like a team of people who are let's say they're whiz kids and they've they excel in a certain area that you're weak at Get some skills in those areas as well. And then also you just wanna you wanna make sure that you're always at a point where you're allowing people to be the best version of themselves that they can be. But once it's time to like turn it up, it's like, yo, I'm the boss. Remember my job title. Remember I got my MBA from whatever co- school or college <laughs> I was mocking. School. Yeah, it's like I got my <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you just want to make sure that you're, as well as being, as well as exhibiting this humility, you want to make sure that you're also in a position where there's a degree of admiration as well. And the last thing that I'd like to bring up in this context of a fast change environment where disruption is common is this concept that Microsoft has brought up recently, where they've moved away from this know-it-all organization where what you have to do is do everything perfect and know everything and they've moved toward a learn-it-all organization which means we always have to be learning if we're going to thrive and i was going to end just my conversation with this last little quote where it says you this is one of the interview quotes it says you can't go into a conversation where you learn without a level of humility 
if you've got a mentality like, wow, I don't have to know it all and I don't have to be perfect and it's okay for me to admit that, that's how you can go into a conversation and really learn from somebody else. You can't learn from others if you think you already know it all. And to me, that summarizes a lot, um, both internally about why this might feel better to be a humble leader, process-wise in terms of how it helps the organization grow and learn, and outcome-wise in terms of why this will be a winning organization. Awesome. Oh, fan- oh man, I'm my blood's pumping. Woo! Yo, listeners, thanks for, again for rocking with us. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying the pulp that we are squeezing. And hopefully this has also provided some of you with an opportunity to be less scummy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to close with that. Don't be scummy. Yeah, don't be scummy, folks.